Hello, everyone. Welcome to Things Above. It's time to bring an eternal perspective to our present day circumstances. If you're anything like me, perhaps you sat back through most of 2020 thinking, what in the world just happened to my country? What can I possibly do to be part of the solution? Instead of going along with all of the wrong decisions that are being made, what can I possibly do to advocate for myself and the needs of my family, my church, my town? Today we're gonna be talking about my place in my community. 2020 was a doozy, and 2021 is trying really hard not to be outdone. Not only did we have major disagreements on how to handle a virus that no one really understood when it started breaking out, we piled on economic hardship with lockdowns and shutdowns, social strife, because who could have seen that coming? You have all these people who can't go to work, can't go to school and um, can't do their normal activities, play sports, entertainment. And so it's the perfect time to rally people in the streets and protest and loot and riot. And panic became the socially acceptable response to adversity. All of a sudden, so many of the things we use so much of our time, energy, and money to enjoy as part of our happy, comfortable lives that we enjoy were stripped away. Those things were gone. Suddenly, we are either either being portrayed as enemies or victims based on our skin color, which I thought we were supposed to be past that by now, but maybe I am showing my age. I don't know. Then, as if that wasn't enough to make everyone feel like they were going crazy, we had a crazy presidential election. And I feel like all I do is use the word crazy, but I, what else can I do? I'm not going to go there about the election right now, but let's just say half the country thinks it was stolen. Almost half the country would like to use that conclusion that it was stolen, that the other side has come to, as a means to punish and purge that half of the country. And then there is a small percentage or the not so optimistic part of me would say it's larger than small, but there is a percentage of people that's not in either one of those groups that aren't really aware that there is an executive branch of government, but maybe I am just a cynical former government teacher on that one. But anyone who's watched TV, a late night show, or talked to anyone recently out there in the world who is college age um, is aware that we aren't exactly acing it when it comes to our knowledge about our government and how it works. I found myself in a personal twilight zone. Here I am, I am a Christian homeschool mom, and I am advocating to open the government schools. Go figure that one out. And not only am I advocating for the government schools to open, I find myself an introvert, suddenly feeling the desire to get involved in my community in a level that I have never felt before. As I'm watching the news unfold on the national stage, I really started to sense that there's nothing I can do about that. I feel completely helpless when it comes to where the entire country is going. 
but I can do something on the local level. And as I was praying and watching the news all last year and seeking God on this, I felt that perhaps God is actually leading me to be more involved in my local politics, not as a political um, aspiration or a career or an interest, but as part of the ministry that he wants to carry out in my life. So as I, as we watched everything last year, there were several things that, that really built up a lot of frustration in my own perception of everything going on in our country and in the news and in society in general. And one thing that really stuck out to me and really motivated me to get more involved was watching the bully tactics of the media and of the progressive movement in the political scene. The sense that if you want to say something against what the powers that be want to do, how they want to handle handle the virus, how they want you to view the, all of that information, any speaking out against that, watching the censorship come down from social media and in the news and the way that people are getting canceled because they're coming out and just trying to share facts and information that's not following the narrative that the establishment wants to um, go. And let's be clear, that narrative was lockdowns forever, masks forever, and we're all going to die and it'll be your fault. That was a lot. They're actually wanting us to be afraid. And they would say that we're following the science, but any scientific person with a medical degree that would get out and put out a YouTube video or do a news interview that was bringing up a point that was not going with the narrative of the mainstream media and the um, establishment medical experts in the government, if you weren't towing that line, if you weren't saying what they wanted you to say, you would find yourself canceled and censored. So as I'm watching all of this and I'm watching those bully tactics, it felt very similar to me to the situation that you find yourself in when you're in a relationship with someone who is trying to control you and they're bullying you. And the way that they do that is anytime you bring up a conversation where you need to discuss something honestly, share something true with them, bring up maybe an unpleasant truth with that person, or you're just trying to be honest and sincere, they blow up they break something, they scream and say terrible things, and then they will say it's all your fault that they did those things. And that to me really sums up a lot of what I felt sitting in my house watching my government and my community last year go through this coronavirus and then this these uh, racial riots that were going on. Just watching all of that and the tones of the communication that were coming out through the news and um, through social media, it felt very much like someone was bullying us. And if you didn't agree with whatever that group that was trying to control the narrative, if you didn't agree with it, if you had a different perspective, you would be cut off. And there's no coming back from that. There's no forgiveness for that. And then it's your fault if someone burns down a Wendy's. If anything bad or unsightly happens, they will say it's your fault. 
And that is all a tactic that's used to control people. It's used to control them by fear of retaliation. And that is what an abusive relationship is like. And so if you are are being told that you cannot speak clearly and be accepted for just the way you are, flaws and everything, and you're not allowed to say your piece, then, or if you do, and then something bad happens, it's your fault because you brought it up and it's a sore subject. Um, that's, I think the expectation is supposed to be that everyone is supposed to conduct themselves with some self-control. Let's not be those people. And let's not allow ourselves to be silenced because someone in the room might have a breakdown or might attack us. They are welcome to attack ideas, but not people. And that is what, unfortunately, I think we saw last year. And you have one group of people who would um, call out the president, for example, at the time and say, oh, he tweets mean tweets and he, you know, says unpresidential things on Twitter. Well, what about the people who are who run Twitter, who let all sorts of things on Twitter and and then use their power to shut down that one man? who's not even president anymore. To me, that is a bully tactic. The man who was tweeting, was he was he actually going out and silencing people? No, he was using that as his means of communication, but he wasn't using his power to go out and silence people and cancel people. But the people that actually hold the, the reins of control there in, in Twitter and Facebook, they're the ones cutting people off. So I'm not really worried about, there's plenty of people out there who are tweeting stupid stuff on Twitter and using bad language and just saying unprofessional and nasty things. And I disagree with that manner of communication, but I'm not really worried about those tweets actually hurting me or hurting my family. You know, it's unfortunate when we do have all that negative stuff out there, but that's not the same as if when they start shutting you down and shutting down your means of communication. That to me is the threat. So as I'm watching all of this, I'm just praying about, Lord, what do I do in the face of all of this? I can't do anything on a national level, but where do I take my frustrations and my concerns? You know, I I pray about them. I take them to the Lord, but I also want to go before him and just say, look, However you want me to serve you, I'm here and I'm I'm concerned about my neighbors. I'm concerned about my community. I'm concerned about all the kids in my community that can't go to school and that are suffering from depression and fear and just having their lives upended. What do I do with that? And so I felt that there are lots of people out there who would love to take away our freedoms. And that is not crazy talk. It's true. There are corporations and people in government that they have meetings and groups dedicated to figuring out how to overcome the power that the individual has in America. And that's not crazy talk. It's true. There's a lot of money and power to be had there. And we have to be vigilant against that. We are all indebted to God and our country. So long as we are called to live here, we are the government. For it runs by us, for us, and with our consent. We bear that responsibility, whether we are engaged or not. I am not living on the other side of the world. I'm here in America. 
there was a time in my life where my desire was to live in Puerto Rico and stay there. We, I used to live there years ago and I wanted to be part of the mission church that we were attending down there. I, I really missed that when we came back to the States and I always wondered why God wouldn't have let us continue living there. And it's been years, but I feel like as the years have gone by, the Lord's been showing me he can use me anywhere I am. And sometimes it's not the place where I think he needs me. Sometimes it's just, I need to do what I can wherever I am. And if I am here in the States, I need to do everything I can not to let politics be an idol and a distraction from my relationship with God and the work that he wants me to do, but to use that as another way of living out my faith. I need to have an impact on my neighborhood and my community in any way I can. And, and that includes in knowing what's going on in government and in the public square and being involved in those things. So this responsibility that we bear as each of us sort of being part of the government, we contribute to the consent of how it runs. How do we handle that responsibility? The Bible is not silent on these matters, and it's clear what God expects from us as his followers. Micah 6, 8 says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. That's pretty simple. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. All right, so there we have, listen to the ordinances that are over you, the rules that you're supposed to follow. Now, I heard last year some people saying, oh, well, they're telling me I need to do this and do that. And the government said, I, you know, we have to shut this down and that down and I have to wear a mask here and there. And, you know, at the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak, I was completely on board with a lot of that because we really didn't know the nature and understand the nature of the virus and how deadly it could be or, you know, what the risks were. But as the year went on and we're like moving into December and it's pretty clear that lockdowns didn't really help because the states that were completely locked down were not really seeing better numbers than the states that were opening. It was evident that that was not having the desired impact on the virus outbreaks, coupled with the fact that we were developing treatments and we were better understanding that it wasn't as big of a risk to children as um on, in the bigger picture. That's when I'm starting to say, okay, so there is a point where we have rules that no longer make sense. And if you're telling me that I can't go to church, which God said I need to do, he said to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more, as you see the day of the approaching, we're not supposed to do it less. Okay. As time goes on, we're supposed to do it more as things get worse do it more, go to church more, be with your brothers and sisters. So I guess 
at that point, I'm like, okay, the government's getting to a point here where they are conflicting with what God wants me to do. So that's the point where you follow the rules. But then there is a point where it says, like in the last verse there, fear God, honor the king. Honor your authority, yes, but it's God that we ultimately fear. It's God we are ultimately seeking to please. And there's nothing wrong with a Christian speaking out against rules and laws and things that are being done unconstitutionally in many cases. There's nothing wrong with speaking out against those. There's nothing wrong with civil disobedience against those types of things. There's there's nothing wrong with that in God's eyes. Romans 13 verses 1 through 8 says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Ye. So that's the other side of it. On the one hand, if I'm arrested wrongfully and I fight against the officer who's taking me into custody, I'm bringing on my own head a risk there of getting hurt because that person, even if that person is not a nice person, uh, like on an individual level, they represent the law and it's far better for me to obey them and call an attorney and start fighting that and trusting that God is going to fight my case and and God will ultimately justice is in God's hands, right? Then for me to take something into my own hands and go against that individual and take that fight to get away myself. Because when even if you're right, I mean, look at look at the apostles. They were executed, many of them. And they were executed by rulers that God allowed to be in control there. And they did not fight against that. And so I'm not saying there's never a time to stand up against tyrannical government. And I'm not saying that, you know, there in, in all cases, we just, you know, were led to the chopping block, so to speak. But we are not to fight. We're not to fight and use the tactics of evildoers to do that. We are to be have a good witness and do it peacefully. And there um Continuing on there in, the, in Romans, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. That government is there, even if that government is not always just, even if it makes mistakes, even corrupt government. I mean, you can see this around the world when a when a, a dictator gets assassinated and then the country falls into chaos. I mean, there is a sense of order that power can bring to a situation. So those rulers, even the ungodly ones, are able to have order and a lot of times that's how they're able to maintain powers. They can keep enough order that enough people are both afraid of them and are also benefiting enough from them to live. So by going along with them. So when you're taking on that power, you are taking on a risk. There's a time to go against that, but it better be for God's purposes and not for your own, right? And trusting yourself in God's hands, not in your own hands. Later on, he says, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually continually upon this very thing. 
Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And then in Matthew 22, verse 21, Jesus says, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. We're supposed to pay our taxes, right? However, it is important to keep in mind, in our system, the government does print the money, right? But you got that money by working for it, and then they take it away from you, and they do things with it. And because we are in a representative republic, we do have the responsibility to hold the government accountable for how we spend our money. And one of the greatest ways we can do that, I'm finding, is on the local level. So that's something to think about in the future is how are your local tax dollars being spent? Look at the schools that were shut down. And that was a huge deal because here we are, I'm I'm paying huge property taxes and they can't just not pay teachers because the schools aren't open. So I get there are costs going on even if the schools aren't open, but kids are not receiving their services. So that was a whole other problem that we were dealing with in, in looking at what's fair and what's right when we are giving money and the government is using it for purposes which don't serve our needs and actually in a lot of cases are used for bad things that we don't support. So that's a whole other topic too. But in Proverbs chapter 31, verse eight and nine, it says, open thy mouth for the dumb. And that's those who can't speak, not the stupid, obviously. Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. We're supposed to speak up. For those who cannot speak, especially those that are appointed to destruction, those that are, are, are being sent to be destroyed, the Holocaust, the socialist uh, communist regimes of the Soviet Union and China. Um, and sadly, a lot we can't necessarily go around in every country of the world and do that. But in the country where I live, where I can make a difference, God wants me to do that. He wants me to speak up for the people who are going to be destroyed by the power that's in control over our government and who aren't able to speak up for themselves. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. We're supposed to stand up for people who cannot stand up for themselves. We're supposed to give and support and help the people like the widows and the orphans, like it says later on in in the book of James. We're supposed to be taking on those people's interests and abdicating for them in the halls of power. That is a godly thing to do. And to not do it is neglectful, and it's neglecting part of our ministry that we have as people living in this country. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 4 says, If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. If the wrath of the government turns against you, and you're doing what God wants you to do, with good judgment, with wisdom, you're doing what's right, and the government comes against you, you don't run and hide, you stand peacefully you stand because it says here when you yield you are pacifying power that's being abused and they're after they run over you they're going to keep on going and run over the person behind you who may be weaker and i think we saw that happening last year too kids and elderly were paying the price for a lot of these lockdowns but those of us who could get through it okay we were going along with it and shame on me for that i should have been speaking up more at that time for people who couldn't and for people who are being far more hurt by that stuff 
than than I was experiencing and that were being far more hurt by that than they were going to be hurt by a virus. My place in my community is taking care of the family God has given me, serving in a local body of a biblical church, supporting the cause of justice, holiness, speaking up for the voiceless, doing all of this in love. And my place is to fear God, not man. My place is to love my neighbors as myself. My place is to be a good steward with what God has given me, the time he has given me, any of the resources he has given me, the spiritual gifts, the talents and abilities he's given me, and the influence that he's given me. I am responsible to use all of those for his glory in my church and in my family and in my community. Next time, we're going to take a look at my place in my community, but on a practical level. We've looked at what the Bible says, but what does that look like? How do we work that out in a practical way? How can we put that into action? And I have a few practical ideas for you to think about in ways that you can find your place in your community to make the difference that God has placed you there to make and to be involved and have a godly influence on your community. Thanks for joining me on Things Above, Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. Remember, raise your gaze.